ceremony for me really is it's it's the way that you engage with life. It's just a shift in the way that you engage with life and attuning and attending to um, to just dropping into to a different level of attention mm-hmm. and care and really coming home to, you know, oneself in the moment. Today's Unreasonable Human talks to us about the importance of ceremony and how we can bring the sacred into our everyday lives. She is a seasoned ceremonialist and she holds an honors degree in medical and psychological anthropology with a focus on rites and rituals. Her name is Eve Gaines. Hi Eve. Hi Erica. It's so lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Um, you're very much an unreasonable human in a very beautiful way. And, I, and um, I love what you do in this world. So I'm very excited to share what you do and how you came about it. Mm. So let's start. Let's start with a little bit of background in you. I always love giving people context. Um, so I would love to know, first of all, where were you born, Eve? I was born in Toronto, Canada. Um, I lived there until I was seven years old. And then we moved to Vienna, to Austria. And I was there for four years. And from there, we moved to, when I was 12, we moved to New York City, to Manhattan, which was a pretty profound culture shock. Um, And then I'm giving my whole life trajectory. And then um, I ended up for college uh, back in Canada in Montreal and then sort of completed the circle back to Toronto um, before meeting my partner and landing in Los Angeles for much of my adulthood. So it's sort of like a long circuitous yeah. Windy road to get here, but Canadian originally, which was your question. <laughs> so you are a ceremonialist. That is what you are called. And I am so intrigued as to what brought you to become what you've become. So you, you you're, when you went into college, you ended up studying, it was an honors degree in medical and psychological anthropology. Yeah. With a focus on rites and rituals. Mm-hmm. So rites and rituals, I mean, it's not something that people will study every day. It's not a very <laughs> common thing for people to do. What brought you to want to study that? Yeah, no, for me, it honestly, I sometimes joke that I think I, you know, I opened up the course catalog instead of landed on the A's because my minor was in art history. And I just, um, when I when I began exploring uh, anthropology and when I stepped into, you know, first beginners classes in anthropology and then pretty swiftly uh, was in a medical anthropology class. I probably because of the whole journey of my own, you know, where we were on this planet and sort of getting to know myself in the context of different cultures um, as a young person, and and then just observing sort of, you know, challenges in my own family with friends around health, wellness, a sense of well-being. This lens that was open to me 
through medical and psychological anthropology, which is really the exploration, the understanding of how health and wellness are conceived in different cultures. What participants in the culture feel, um, you know, supports and enables their sense of living a healthy life and also, you know, an exploration of diff different medical systems. But for me, because I was focused on rites and rituals, it really became about how, you know, and that was sort of the lens that was kind of blasted open for me and really began to expand my perspective. I always joke, I have a daughter in college now, and you know, that the function of of this higher education is really to, um, you know, to expand our perspective and to give us new frameworks for understanding the world. And that was really what started happening when I was exploring these, you know, these ways that in other cultures, spirituality, a sense of um, there being ceremonies, rituals, uh, times that really supported and honored transition, challenge, the intimate, you know, inextricable bind that existed between people's sense of health and wellness mm -hmm. and their own sense of connection with their path, with one another, and with the divine. For me, it was like this whole way of being human that felt so um, connected to, I think, who I just came in, you know, I think we all as children come in with our own sense of, of what we're, you know, what we're drawn to and what we're attracted to and how we spend our time. <laughs> and when I go back into, you know, the recesses of my mind as a child, so much of what I did was, you know, create these sort of ad hoc, now I can call them ceremonies for things. <laughs> you know, I was always so interested, as I think so many children are, in what was happening in the season and in, you know, just really feeling um, and also just awestruck at any time uh, I perceived that sense of reverence and community gathering um, in order to, to observe something, whether it was, you know, a holiday or mm -hmm. a special moment. I, I remember just feeling that so profoundly, um, mm -hmm. you know, just even in watching kind of my family dynamics and feeling the space in my home shift when we said a prayer, when um, there was a conversation that went deep. Um, and so for me, yeah, this, the, 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 the academic path, um, <laughs> it's it's interesting because, you know, I always, I kind of joke that at the time, I really wasn't thinking about where this would lead me as far as career path. You know, it was not, I mean, <laughs> the yeah. field of, um, you know, the field of ceremony and the way that now there is a new sort of reawakening and remembering and prioritizing of this spiritual layer in Western life and the life that we lead here, um, that really wasn't happening then. So it was really sort of choosing this, this path and just really trusting that what, what I was exploring and the way that it was making sense to me, you know, it was just, it was interesting enough to hold my attention for mm -hmm. a long, long time. And it kept prompting me to go deeper. 
and prompting me to really reflect um, on my own life, my own experience, and to provide it with different, um, you know, with different context. I, yeah, my my honors thesis kind of in particular was a chance to, um, I, I I wrote it on on female adolescence and the lack of life cycle ritual and anorexia nervosa and the way that, you know, asking the question, can this disorder that is at the time was so epidemic and I really, you know, hurts my heart to, to feel into how prevalent it still is today, but really looking at how this disorder, questioning whether it could be a manifestation of a lack of a meaningful um, rite of passage for young women and mm. having so many conversations and interviews with young women, just hearing that, you know, their, their symptoms, their beginning of this path really started with a desire to connect, a desire to have ritual in their own lives, a desire to understand what it meant to be initiated into the world of womanhood and feeling so lonely and lost in that. Yeah. Feeling a sense of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really what the lack of ceremony in today's today's world, because there is, there is a lack of ceremony. We've really moved away from it. I think in the last hundred years or, you know, we like, it, it it definitely feels like ceremony was always such an ancient practice. I mean, we all know we sit around a fire. Yes. As soon as we sit around a fire, there's this connection to something greater. You everybody just gets quiet and gets or even if there's a lot of conversation, I've noticed every time I sit around a fire, there's always a moment that people take for themselves to just watch that fire. And so we know it's in ourselves, it's in our oh, it's innate. Yeah. yeah, it's an innate thing. And we've been sort of shifted away from it with technology. Mm-hmm. And yet, like you say, now we're starting to, to understand it again and sort of almost uh, long for it. There's that, that longing for it. Yeah. So we're trying to insti- insti- institute it into our lives again. But there's still such a lack of it in today's society. You know, why do you think that is? Why do you think that we have uh, this, this lack of... Uh, yeah, this lack of understanding how important ceremony is and the sacredness of ceremony in today's day and age. Yeah, I, you know, I, such a beautiful and complex question and really a question for our time, because mm-hmm. I do think that a lot of, um, a lot of this separation, you know, really arose with a sense of, <laughs> interestingly of being rational you know which is why I love 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 the uh, title of your podcast you know because there's this as soon as we give primacy and priority to the rational then we move out of our sense of lived experience and the miraculous and the um and those things that we can't control that we can't have, um, you know, that we can't really dictate that we, that sense of being, of being human as being this vast and expansive experience. And I think, you know, what has happened 
with the industrial revolution, what's happened with the scientific revolution, you know, I oftentimes look through, look at it through the lens of the development of, of Western medicine. It's really this, um, you know, this, this sort of making things, um, distilling things down to their essence so that they can be studied and made sense of, which is seen as sort of accruing knowledge. But what, unfortunately, what that does is it really, it separates us from what we, from our intuition, from our ability to, you know, to connect in an interdisciplinary way, to connect in this like profound sort of knowledge of like being part of a constellation instead of being part of a single, you know, a single star or a single, um, you know, pillar of knowledge. So I think, you know, even in, even in, in my, um, you know, my academic studies, it was, I had a continual desire to like sort of bridge these worlds. Yeah. And, um, and that was, you know, that, that was not something that was encouraged. And I think in life, and as you mentioned, you know, with the with the advance and of, of technology, I actually feel like we're in kind of an interesting age with that too. I feel like there has been this sort of, um, there's been like kind of a, a antiseptic, like, you know, just we're going to live in this very kind of pure mental, we understand the world, we can make sense of it way to, I do feel that technology now has evolved to be a connective force in this fascinating way mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it is, these are tools that humans have created. And mm-hmm. I just have been loving sort of looking at and reflecting on the ways that ultimately they are bringing us back into connection with ourselves and into deeper understanding of what's happening in the world and how we make sense of who we are, you know, not without not without challenges, not without, and there is also, you know, the flip side of that is the isolation that we're seeing. Yes, and it's, yeah, it's like an ironic thing because there's that isolation that it brings, but then what are we all seeking in it? Connection. Yes. So it's like, that's for me where ceremony is the deepest form of connection that we can have with other people in our community, with ourselves, with the with our higher beings, with whatever it is that we connect with. If it's the universe, if it's God, if it's universal love, ceremony brings that all together. And we've, it's just, uh, it's something we know when we're in ceremony we know it. People step into ceremony and there is something that they just understand. There's an understanding that something sacred is happening. This is um, it. Yeah. But yeah. what, you know, because we've spoken about this before, mm-hmm. about how, you know, in in many, many tribal traditions, um, still to this day, there are many rites of passage. There are many uh ceremonies revolving around stepping into new ways of being and there is a a big disconnect with a lot of uh, people transitioning into adulthood and into maturity and um, women even moving into their adolescence you know there's many 
many cultures who do do ceremony around it, but mm. most of the Western world, it's not really, you don't have a ceremony when you first, you know, no, your cycle. Definitely uncommon. No. Yeah. And then with women, older women, we've spoken yeah. about how older women don't have this rite of passage moving from being the mother years, whether you've had children or not, the mother years, mm-hmm. through into something that is very different. We sort of have this, this void where we don't know what we're stepping into. So we're all trying to stay young. We're all trying to keep ourselves in this like young mother phase when that's not the biologically and the natural way of being. And ceremony feels like one of those things that is lacking in today's society that can bridge all of that together. So how how do we go about doing that? How do we go about bringing ceremony into our lives so that we can feel a sense of place, a sense of understanding of who we are, a sense of understanding and respect for the people in our communities and what they're going through and where they are? Mm-hmm. How do we bring that into our lives? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, this question really <laughs> speaks my <laughs> speaks my heart language um, because this really has become, uh, I'd say, my vocational my vocational path. You know, it's become. Um, it's the it's it's what I love to look at and support in the world. Um, I do feel that as you you know as you so eloquently said, there there is really um, not a reverence for maturity in our culture, and especially not for female maturity for what it means to be a woman. You know, it's rare that, as you said, that young women are supported through their transition. And that sort of began my my interest in this in this topic, in um, looking at how we can kind of, you know, mend this lack and create meaningful ceremony that isn't appropriative, but really just comes from creating something that is is of resonance. And as I've aged, you know, our life paths have such fascinating ways of um, revealing themselves through our own experience. And so as I passed through my years of motherhood, you know, I spent so many, so much time um, in women's circles and in this phase of mothering and creating um, ceremony for women who were becoming mothers, for women who needed to grieve their own lack of mothering in their mm-hmm. lives, for women who were supporting, trying to support their young children, trying to be, you know, the type of partner that they wanted to be when there was a lack of, of modeling of that. Mm-hmm. Which really felt, you know, it, 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 it allowed me in a very um, private and organic way to deepen the types of ceremony that I offered and the ways that I understood how this, this could emerge. And, you know, more recently, what has been really exciting for me as I reach this next phase of my own life, you know, and transition into a phase of maturity, um, I've really been sort of studying and um, applying what I've seen among friends and then in wider circles of what is lacking for women as they reach maturity. What's preventing us from 
you know, stepping into this sense of self-sovereignty with the same assurance that men step into, you know, their, their years when, you know, they, and they, 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 they're, they aren't questioning that they should be now CEOs of their companies and that the wisdom that they've gained and the, the life that they've led has imbued them with a sense of, um, of mastery. And really for women, I feel like there is, there's some inhibition around stepping in and truly acknowledging our sense of mastery, truly, you know, celebrating ourselves and the um, making meaning out of, and then bringing our own accrued knowledge into being so that we can step into the most mature version of ourselves so that we can be those elders that the that society longs for needs for needs so that we can provide true leadership so a lot of my recent work has been with this phase that i love to call you know entering wisdom the entering the wisdom years mm. and um entering the wisdom years really for me means that, you know, it, it means honoring that stage that I think probably because of our longer life cycle um, exists now, uh, which is the stage, you know, we go through maiden, the, the traditional phases mm. that, of life that are honored in women's life cycle are maiden, mother, crone which kind of condenses our life experience and presumes that once we have transitioned out of this motherhood stage and this motherhood stage also i just want to take a beat to acknowledge that whether or not you bring children into the world this is your time of fertility fecundity you know this is your time of birthing in the world this is when you have a sense of vitality and when your energy um, is appropriately directed, it, I think, um, you know, most women feel appropriately directed into the care and support of one's own family, of one's own, you know, business, if that's what you're growing, of one's own community, of the world in this very, you know, beautiful and uplifting way. Um, and then, you know, if we moved into the next traditional phase, it would be the phase of the crone. But that really, for women who are shifting out of motherhood, out of active motherhood, we're always, mother, you know, we're always yeah. all of these things. We always carry the maiden, we carry the mother. Yeah. But as we come in our into our own maturity, into our own sense of who we are in this world, what it means to have our own unique life experience, I really feel like there is this other phase that, you know, is kind of uh, was described to me as a, a magi phase, as a phase of being the in the, the magician in one's mm -hmm. the self-sovereign um, person who can now take and distill her own um, experiences, her own knowledge, and really um, be in the world, lead by example, use her voice to as as a form of guidance and also know that you know that that sort of outward facing care isn't necessarily the energy the energetic i know you and i've spoken about this before as our as our children get older it's not what our children even require from us in their 
through their later adolescence, definitely not Mm. in their young adulthood. They're not looking to be, you know, zoomed in on and micromanaged. They're looking to us to, to cultivate relationships with us as, as adults, you know, for us to respect their independence. And then, you know, with this, um, there comes the, the other, the other, kind of the the lack that I perceive in our society, which makes this transition challenging, which is that in traditional societies, you know, where different phases of life are honored, there really is a more active, um, there's more active participation, community participation in our lives. So we get the sense, you know, that it's not the burden doesn't fall on us alone to raise our children, <laughs> that the lives that we're leading are, you know, part of this whole that allow us, one of my most beautiful and treasured teacher always spoke about, um, you know, that we're each here to do our one thing. <laughs> and that Western women, especially Western society, though, in general, had this misconception that, you know, we all needed to be um that we all needed to be generalists, that we all needed to do everything. Mm. And she always really, you know, kind of with, with, with force would say, you know, if we, if you'd all just remember that you're here to do one thing, then it would allow everybody else to do their part. And then, you know, then community, then society, then these things that you're looking to fix would just fall into place. Mm. Cause we're not here to do it all. Ourselves. Yeah. And wouldn't that just be what ceremony does? Because at the end of the day, ceremony, anytime I've experienced any type of ceremony in my life, you walk into the ceremony, a lot of the times, not 100% certain what's going on sometimes, but when you step into it, you know something is happening. There is a definite shift an understanding of 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 when the the ceremony happens and when you walk out of that ceremony you're very clear on what has happened whether the ceremony was for you or not is not the point the point is that ceremony allows people to understand their place yes whatever is happening and it's almost like like you say with the situation with women who are reaching an age where they've now come out of this mothering phase, they're not ready for the crone phase. I mean, we know this. I'm in that Mm -hmm. phase. I'm very far from the crone phase. Thank you very much. But I, I see all around me, what I see all around me is I see a lot of people who are confused and lost. And I think it's because they and i see it with adolescents i see it with like boys i see yeah. it with men For we sure. have forgotten where we step into things you know and and that's why when you look at uh, cultures who still have a form of ceremony like say in the jewish culture the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah you know those are very specific ceremonies and these mm-hmm. kids go into it very proud yes you know, anytime anybody then understand they're getting into they're stepping into another phase of life but with kids who don't understand that they are growing into another phase, it's super confusing for them. And then it keeps on happening throughout our lives. So this is it. Yeah. And so the, the importance mm-hmm. of ceremony just feels like it, it's it's it has sort of moved away. But in some cultures, people are holding on to it. But it's, it's interesting. Like, I wonder if... Uh, People fully comprehend that, you know, 
ceremony, there's a big difference between growing up and like being educated in a specific way and then wanting to do your own thing. You know, like yeah. I'm one of those unreasonable people. I was brought up in a Portuguese culture mm -hmm. and there's a lot about the Portuguese culture that I moved away from, but I am fully in love being Portuguese. Mm -hmm. but, the, but ceremony is not about your education or your culture. It's about you and connecting with something that is not something that is an academic thing that can be taught. This is it's it. not something that your parents get. It is, it is higher than that. It feels like something greater than that. Completely. And I really feel, you know, this is, it's, it's an intrinsic human language um, mm -hmm. that I really feel is our birthright to, in, to engage in. You know, it's, it's not something that needs to be taught at the same time, as you said, they're beautiful traditions that do, you know, but more than that as well, I do, you know, what you referred to is really ceremony's power to remind us of, as the beautiful quote goes, you know, to remind us of our place in the family of all things. Mm. So, you know, it's this idea that we, and, and I agree with you, you know, when we step into ceremony, when we support ceremony, when we're even a bystander to ceremony, we do have this sense of respect and, and reverence, uh, that something special is happening and that a lot of it is, you know, not within our control. Mm. It is, um, you know, I love <laughs> when I'm preparing to, to, you know, to, to, to create a ceremony, I love the sense of um, just trusting my intuition in terms of what I bring, mm. um, you know, just watching the magic that unfolds oftentimes the ceremonies that I will hold will be like an open call to ceremony. So I won't know everybody who's going to be in attendance, but as you begin to witness and hear from the people who have come, there's always this sense of it being a crystallization of exactly who needed to be there. Mm. That the magic that is created in this particular constellation of people and with this particular, you know, um, at this particular time, in this season, um, at this moment of the day, you know, it could not have happened otherwise. And I think, as you said, we all have, um, we have a sense of how to participate mm -hmm. in ceremony that doesn't require teaching. It, it just really is something that, that our spirit knows. But at the same time, you know, that the kind of flip side for that, you were also talking about how, how young people, the sense of being lost. And I do think, you know, ceremony also does have the power to hold space for these larger teachings. Mm -hmm. And for me, it is, you know, my, my looking specifically at rites of passage, looking specifically at these phases of life that were traditionally held so that people could cross thresholds where they would see themselves differently and where society would see them differently. That Because that, you know, there are three phases of a rite of passage. Um, there's severance. There's when, you know, when either you are maturing into something that you have never been before or an experience happens after which you will never be the same version of yourself. So there's this, you know, these, right, 
these times are going to happen whether or not we ceremonialize whether or not we ceremonialize them mm-hmm. there will be times when we will change so this severance is really um, it's attendance to those times and giving the individual or the cohort you know the group of individuals who are going through this transition whether it's being honored as an individual or collective ritual um, the space to be on their own um, and to be away from the regular everyday kind of mundane requirements of them. But in that time away, especially if it's a rite of passage, you know, for adolescents, there is a stepping in of an older cohort, not one's parents, you know, but this older members of this of the culture who might be the generation directly above, and then, you know, some of the elders who are are imparting wisdom, who are witnessing this transition through the phase, the middle phase of the rite of passage, which is is the liminal phase. It's this phase of having sort of left one side of the riverbank and being in the current before you reach the other side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our culture is very adverse (laughs) to being... um, to being in something that's not well defined. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, not only do we not have these ceremonial experiences, these rites of passage to help and support people, but we also tend to either really rush this liminal phase where we're like, oh my goodness, I'm changing. Okay, I've changed, I'm done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or because we don't have guidance, accompaniment, support, even just simple like love and honoring through this liminal phase we become stuck in the liminal and so a lot of what you know you're saying about people being lost I would say is is really that it's you know when because the third phase of a rite of passage is is a is a phase of reincorporation Mm. and reincorporation is when you as the initiate come back to your culture, you read or to your, you know, to your group, to your, to your tribe, to your clan, to your family, to your community. And you have a chance to reintroduce yourself and to be witnessed as this new version of yourself. And so this, in this witnessing, which I feel like is, is so such a, you know, we have such a dire lack Mm -hmm. of this in our culture, this ability to, you know, so many of us, we go away, even in you know, a lot of the work that I used to do, it's like we go away on these retreats, we have these profound experiences that can be initiatory. Mm-hmm. And then we come back and we're greeted as if we're the same person that we are when we left. Yeah. And there isn't this sense of, you know, of reacquainting yourself with the people in your life, with your culture, with your, you know, even in your life path as this person that you, this newly emerged person that you are now. And that's what I love to create a mix space for. You know, you've touched on something so huge there because I think that is where a lot of uh, generations struggle nowadays because there's like a whole you know the the divorcing parents I don't know there's a there's a phrase of uh going around at the moment of of like people divorcing their parents or whatever it is um basically cutting ties with with their families because it doesn't the the way that they are doesn't work 
you know, the way that they were doesn't work with their family now. But that is what ceremony is about. And that is what is lacking in today's society is people are not given the space to change. They're not given a space to be somebody new. And in ceremony, people are allowed the space to literally become somebody new and then the the community sees that new person and accepts them and welcomes them in. So, you know, that is where that there's a big, like, brokenness in the society because it's not that, like, cultures have just been the way that they've been and now, you know, there's this new generation and they're like, I'm not going to be that way anymore. It's not about that. If you are in ceremony and your community has to accept you for the new person that you are, then you are going to be who you're going to be. You are going to be who you're going to be and the people around you will change as well. Yes. And I think that's the, you know, we aren't designed to be static. And these systems that we live in, we're all designed to change. And that's one thing that I love about ceremony is, yes, it might, you know, you might be a participant. It might not be a ceremony for you, but by virtue of participating in the ceremony, by virtue of even just being a bystander, as you mentioned before, you are forever changed. Mm -hmm. You are forever altered because you witness this moment where there was a different order established. And I do feel like that is the power of ceremony, where the, whether it's, you know, the routine honoring of a, of a cycle of, mm. you know, so much, so often what we know about, about uh, ritual and ceremony now has been sort of um, almost co-opted by, by religion. So we, you know, we have to look at it through that lens and kind of mm. acknowledge that that's, that, that, that it can be, you know, something as simple as honoring a particular day of the week and just this, this, um, this shift that happens uh, mm. as we, you know, palpably adjust and change, uh, or you know, it can be a ceremony to honor a season, or to, as we were talking about, to own to honor a phase of life. But in that, in witnessing somebody else's change and evolution, in honoring change and evolution of the planet, you know, all of these mm. beautiful ceremonies that are very universal. Also, about you know, I, I love always looking at astrology, looking at you know, pagan cult- these things that we that we can't help but be changed by. Whether it's the phases of the moon, whether it's the shortening of the days, whether it's the you know the the bringing in of the crops. We there are times when we remember that we are part of cycles of change, yeah. and as we go through cycles of change, there is this sort of um, helical. Helic- I don't even know if that's a word. There's a spiral that happens mm-hmm. where our change is given context, and we begin to see each other differently. So I I, I agree. It's really you know there's a profound. There's a, there's a lack of being able for us to support our own changes, but also, you know, one thing that I love, I don't feel like, you know, I've I've studied this, but I feel like I've studied it in order to share it. And I don't feel like, you know, you don't need a ceremonialist to create a ceremony. We all can access this. We all have that what we can do for ourselves and for each other in such a basic and simple way. Mm. is honor these times of change. And as soon as we do that, as soon as we, you know, do that for whether it's somebody in our family, our friend, a colleague, then we immediately feel that shift 
I think, in um, you know, what you were speaking to, where we move into into feeling um, a sense of of a different quality of what it means to be human. Yeah, it's like a reverence. It's a reverence <laughs> of life for me. That's what ceremony feels. The smallest, like I think, and you know, I I I think I unconsciously partake in ceremonies all day, every day. I like. Yeah. When I light a candle, for me, that's a ceremony for me. When I have a bath, that's a ceremony for me. When I walk in nature, that feels like a ceremony because I feel a reverence for something greater than me. And I feel a connection to everything around me. And I think that is what ceremony has always been from the, the dawn of man is because we we always knew we were connected to something greater than ourselves this and is through the ceremony that's what we did so let's talk about i'd love to talk about how people can bring ceremony you know just into their everyday lives you know people who who don't think that they're you know they, they think of a ceremony as something bizarre something mm -hmm. that's not what are some ways people um celebrate ceremonies that feel like we wouldn't even realize that there are ceremonies but they are yeah i think you know I, I think what you what you were talking about ceremony for me really is it's it's the way that you engage with life it's just a shift in the way that you engage with life and attuning and attending to um to just dropping into to a different level of attention mm -hmm. and care and really coming home to, you know, oneself in the moment. So as you said, you know, something as simple as lighting a candle can definitely be a ceremony. You know, I think any time I've found in my work, any time that we are interfacing with any of the elements, there is this immediate, you know, whether it's a cup of tea, whether it's a glass of water, a candle, fire, as you mentioned before, um, you know, when we're like out in a storm and the wind and <laughs> all of these things kind of naturally bring us, uh, I feel like there's they're those subtle reminders, they're, they're those beckonings mm -hmm. of the world wanting to engage with us on this way that is, um, that is just more attuned. Um, and I do think that, uh, you know, yeah, ceremony doesn't have to be this profound, this profound reach. Um, it really can be, uh, it can be part of your everyday from just taking a moment before you step into your day to wake up slowly to, you know, remember the things that you're grateful for, that to remember to sort of put yourself into the flow of sending a prayer for the world before your feet land on the ground. Um, then as you move into your day, you know, it's the, it's, it is that preparation of the, of the first cup of tea for me. I'm, you know, one of my, my few last vices is my coffee and I drink it in profound reverence and ceremony. <laughs> I love, you know, I add a shake of cinnamon to it and there's something about that that just, um, yeah, I love also, you know, one of my favorite ways to, I, I love flowers and mm you know, grow, grow different, uh, medicinal plants, but even just, you know, composing or choosing some seasonal flowers to have in your home, it really just shifts the whole vibration of your home. Um, 
and brings that sense. I, I do think that there's also sort of an, a, a, an intimate bond between um, between this sense of ceremony that we're talking about and between our appreciation of beauty. Yes. So I really do feel like beauty is this sort of like messenger that weaves through the world um, that, that reminds us of how sacred and special things are. And then, you know, there's also what we're doing here with one another of engaging and talking and the care that you bring. Um, and this would really be my biggest piece of, of sort of advice for, for anchoring into, you know, whether or not you, so many of us are, you know, we might've grown up in one tradition, traveled to a different place, not felt resonance with the, the religion we were brought up in, you know, we may be this sort of like meld, melding um, kind of configurations of, of little pastiches of different, different uh, cultures and different experiences. But I do think uh, that something that we can do is create um, the space for dropping into intentional community and conversation, whether that's, you know, having a practice of counsel that you use in your home when things become challenging or when you want to address larger situations or whether it's, you know, something that has served me profoundly throughout my life is having a women's circle, you know, having a group of people mm -hmm. who I was, part, I was part of a women's circle that was active for over a decade. And really guided not only me, but each of our family members, you know, gave us this thing to anchor into. And we met once a month, but it was a time when, um, you know, when there was just a reverence and, and an honor for hearing each other, for coming together with authenticity. And what was so interesting, which I was just spending time with a, with a friend who has participated in this. And we were remembering that even when our children were little, we'd rotate, you know, which house this circle would happen at. And even when our children were little and they'd see us, you know, they'd feel, they could immediately sense mm. that something special was happening. You know, there was, and, and they'd speak about it, you know, they'd speak about like, oh, you know, you're all coming today and you know that the, there was just this sense of like quietness and respect you know no matter how sort of boisterous and loud our families usually were yeah. on these mornings that we gathered everyone treaded tenderly mm. and made space for what was happening to really be prioritized and I feel like you know I, I just I feel like that was so beautiful to be a part of but it was also a beautiful example yeah, it's a beautiful example. It's so easy for people to do, you know, for women and men, you know, just yes. a group of people together once a month. And, you know, I think the thing with it's not just getting together and like having a couple of beers and it's not about that. It's about knowing that you're coming together for an intent, like intentionally coming together. And when you do that, what I've noticed whenever I've I've led circles with people, I've noticed that the moment it's in a sort of ceremony or sacred circle, there is space for every person to be seen because many times we're in social situations. There's, you know, people who are more, uh, you know, confident or people who are more talkative. And, you know, a lot of the times the conversation will, will become, you know, peripheral, maybe not even go very deep. 
But the moment you're in a circle where every person is seen, there's something about that, about the human being seen that is very profound, you know, because so many people are not seen on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, no, and there's a beauty that happens as well when we're in circle and, um, attending to each other's voices where I I always feel like we're weaving a prayer, but so often, you know, what you're saying about each person being seen, but I think also for each participant, it's having your, um, having your truth be expressed by someone else too. So often, right. There's not, we don't need to say everything that we're experiencing because someone across the circle will mention it and we'll speak to it or someone next to us will say that, you know, what, what we've been either challenged with or what we've been carrying in our heart as a prayer. And so there is this sense of, you know, of being seen in a profound and meaningful way. And I agree that there is, you know, that it's sort of like this, this, this like hearth light that just mm-hmm. kind of everyone I think looks so beautiful and ceremony because we all yeah. we all are, are listening from our hearts so there is that that beauty and that radiance but there also is I think this this sense of being in a shared experience of being alive on this planet and not walking our paths alone that we all long for and um yeah and that's it's profound and it's something that I, I think I said before, we all have a birthright to, you know, we all have, mm. this is, ritual is a, is, is a universal language. It's something that we can, we can, we can use in our own ways. I don't think we should shy away from, uh, you know, making, creating for ourselves, for those that we love and care about, for the world at large, also using the tools that we feel comfortable with and attracted to, mm-hmm. to heighten our sense of connection. Absolutely. I think that's very important to know that you can't do ceremony wrong. You can't create a ceremony incorrectly. You, If you work from your heart and if you create something that is intentional and from your heart, you can't do it wrong. So you, anytime you can, I've heard of people doing ceremony. I mean, my my one good example that I have in my life of creating ceremony in the most bizarre way was when I was um, having my first child. I had planned it to the, I'd planned it completely. I was going to have a water birth. It was going to be a hypno birth. I was going to do no drugs. There was nothing. And it was going to be in a, a birthing clinic. It's a very beautiful, special birthing clinic. Mm. And my son was breached till the very end. So mm. I had to change the plans. And I had to go and have him a C-section in the hospital. I was devastated by it because I had this perceived idea that the ceremony could only happen in that very sacred place that I had chosen. And then I took some time to think about it and I realized I can bring ceremony into a very sterile setting anyway. So what I did was I took, um, I had a, I had my birthing music and mm-hmm. I wrote a letter because I knew it was going to be hard for me on the day to voice it. Um, so I wrote a letter and before everything started, I asked everybody to just take a moment to listen to me. And I read what was on the piece of paper. I can't remember what it said, but it was something about 
them to please understand that even though they do this on a daily basis, probably 10 times a day, that what was happening right now was that I was bringing a new life into the world. This new life was entering into this world and I was changing for the rest of my life. So I asked them to honor the fact that something very, very sacred was happening, even amidst the the all the the stuff going on mm-hmm. they they something in that room shifted when they understood that they lowered the lights for as long as they could with whatever they could they played the music mm-hmm. everything felt so very sacred and it was just because i stepped into a space of asking others to be sacred with me so that for me is a very good example of how ceremony can happen anywhere, anywhere in this world. Yeah. You can make it happen for yourself. So I would love to urge people to just really find ceremony in their everyday lives. Like you say, a cup of yeah. my cup of tea is my daily ceremony. And I this that. is I love the story that you shared, Erica, too. It's such a and I relate to it from my mm-hmm. own birth experience. And It's such a beautiful example of how it's in these spaces where, you know, the the, the profound effect, I'm sure, you know, for your birth, but also for these doctors, nurses, for all of them to remember, you know, you are drawing people into this experience in a place that I feel like, you know, there needs to be a re-remembering. And that's a gift that you imparted, you know, in your son's beginnings uh and it's a it's something that i'm sure left an impression and probably a sense of profound remembering and maybe a different attitude you know as they engaged with the rest of the operations that they had who knows but i do feel like you know just that bringing ceremony into the places where we don't expect it to exist yeah and you know for me especially that that intertwining um, of, you know, to go back into, into that medical piece, you know, some of the work that I'm doing these days is with, with people who are navigating real health challenges, you know, and creating these, these wellness sabbaticals, these like programs of inclusive and immersive health that aren't, you know, they're not designed to fix, we're not Western medicine, but these can be people who are navigating things as profound as cancer and being, you know, kind of siloed in terms of what treatment looks and feels like mm-hmm. and weaving in then, and, you know, partnering with, with practitioners who have incredible ways of bringing healing into its, um, its more sort of divinely aligned, revelatory, interdisciplinary uh, you know, magic, <laughs> there can be this accompaniment. These two things don't have to exist. They don't have to be separate. Oh, it's so beautiful. I've loved this conversation. I feel like um, if everybody could just uh, look in at their own lives and see how they can create ceremony and have fun with it, you know, have fun yeah. with the things, just to think about how you can make a space more intentional with whatever it is whatever message you're wanting to 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 convey with whatever is happening in your life and also to understand that if you're going through some form of a transition 
allowing your friends, family, community to be a part of that. So say, for example, you know, a woman gets or a man gets divorced, having a ceremony where you're stepping out of that married life into your newfound single life, it's such a beautiful way of people understanding that there is a definite shift. You're yes. not just, you are, beca- you are somebody different. It's such a beautiful, empowering thing. And with your children, especially this, too, right? This is it. No, I, and I think it's honoring, you know, we spoke about the big life transitions that will naturally happen, but there also are those, like, as you were saying, you know, there's divorce, there's moving, there's changing jobs. There are, you know, there's also these times in our children's lives, like, um, you know, the transition that we just had of sending our child to college, you know, these things that we, they're massive. Yeah, they're massive. And if even, you know, in our circle of care, in the people who we call our community, who, you know, we carry with us in our hearts, if we're available to them to witness and to also just like, you know, be those indicators of like, oh, wow, I can see you're changing. Yeah. But what can I hold for you? What are yeah. you, you know, what are you in the messy middle with? You know, that's sort of like the other phase, the other name for the liminal. It's like this messy middle that I think that some of us, I mean, all of us, we really spend a lot of time, like it or not, in this space. And, and you know, the more, the more versed we get with ceremony, the more we do allow it to, you know, to be a part of the smaller moments of our lives, the more ease we have creating it and the more ease we have stepping into it when we do have those bigger more monumental shifts happening. Absolutely. Well, Eve, thank you. I love that. <laughs> I've really, really enjoyed it. We can go, we can carry on. We could carry on for hours, but I'm going to finish it here. And I'm going to finish it with um, my three unreasonable questions. Beautiful. All right. So, Eve, what's the most profound ceremony you've ever been a part of? Mm. Yeah, this question makes me sort of go through my own, my own whole Rolodex of experience. <laughs> but to be most honest in this moment, I have to say that the ceremony that's really alive in me today is the one that I took part in yesterday. Mm. Um, and it was a ceremony that it was very intimate. It was a ceremonial space that a dear friend and somebody who I often lead ceremony with held for me. Um, it was held up at our retreat space in between the rainstorms that we just had. So it was, you know, the rain had just passed and it was this beautiful time of, um, you know, the sun was streaming and I have been doing a lot of work in my own life to clear some ancestral pieces that I feel have been inhibiting my own ability to be, to parent through this stage of life and just things that were, this is my my birthday week. So it felt like a perfect moment. We've been talking about having this ceremony for a long time and it just felt like, you know, again, that sense of perfect alignment, like, you know, we were like, when is it gonna fall on the calendar? And it happened to be this day, yesterday, there was, you know, a Kazemi, there was this, this Cohen, this, Mars and the sun made a made a conjunction and I have so much Scorpio in my chart which is the season that we're in my Scorpio and my Mars is in Scorpio so for me it was this moment of just um being recognized being supported in my own healing 
being in this space that I've created to um, love up and support others. And I just feel profoundly grateful um, for the, the simplicity and the, the just the, um, the layers that were able to be shed by being witnessed and, and understood. Mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My second question is, what is the greatest gift ceremony has brought to your life? Mm. I guess it really is for me that it's expanded my deep sense of trust. Um, it's been a way of engaging with life that has allowed me, as I mentioned in this conversation, to really rely on my intuitive guidance and my sense that there isn't, you know, I think in my, we all have our own life traumas that we carry. And my response to that is this level, level of like hypervigilance that I feel I need to you know, be doing and controlling. <laughs> and whenever I shift into ceremony, um, I'm always reminded that all I need to do is just take that next step. And that I'm supported and guided, guided, and that um, that you know the, that that there's a, a magic that we can't that we can't control that's going to show up naturally. Oh, yeah, that's very special. Yes, to all of that, I agree completely. <laughs> all right. So my last question is, Eve, what is your definition of an unreasonable human? Mm. Ah. So my definition would be that an unreasonable human is one who is engaged with their life path in a very active and emergent way. Mm. It is that sense of following one's passions, whether or not they seem to make sense, following one's sense of values and also allowing for the pivots, allowing for the changes, even when they seem, you know, not to make much sense or to be a little ridiculous. Um, and it's also just having this sense of, you know, of exploration that I love whenever I get into conversation with you. I feel like, you know, I don't know where it's going to lead, but it's fun and we're in it and we're doing it and, um, you know, not conversation interactions. Um, so I think it is just that that sense of living, living life um, in the spirit of exploration. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what a great conversation. Eve, I'm going to have to have you on again one day and we can go deeper into specific ceremonies that people can do. We didn't even like touch on ceremony when it comes to death. There's so much to go through with there all of this. Oh, I'd love to talk to you anytime, Erica. Well, thank you so, so much. It's mm -hmm. a beautiful conversation and um Oh, I can't wait to be in ceremony with you sometime. Yes, yes I'd love to have you up. At, yeah, I'd love to yeah. have you up. And yeah, oh, let's, let's continue on. Yeah. Well, thank you, Eve. Thank you, Eric. Very special conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor and a privilege to be with you today. <laughs> 
Well, that's it for today's episode of Unreasonable Humans. Thanks so much for joining me. Please follow the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember that a great rating goes a very long way to support the show. Until the next one. Bye.